0: So when we ask people to change who they are, which they cannot do, conversion therapy studies show that it is not effective. There is no praying the gay away because this is the most authentic version of this person. But when we ask people to change who they are, we ask them to separate themselves further from God. Rather... And pull themselves closer. Hey there, y'all. Welcome to Woo Woo Bible, the podcast where we ditch the dogma so we can connect to something greater than ourselves. My name is Dylan D. Money King. I'm a spiritual life coach, board-certified hypnotherapist, and lover of all things mystical, magical, and miraculous. Let's dive in. Hey there, y'all! If you're new here, well then, welcome! I'm so happy to have you here. And if you're coming back, well then, welcome back! It's so nice to talk with you again! Today we are going to be diving into a heavily, heavily debated topic, one that has definitely been driving people away from the church, uh, the LGBTQ community and whether or not this is a life of sin. This is not an easy topic, and I'm not going to pretend that I can easily cover everything in one little podcast episode, um, but I do want to share some interesting perspectives on it. It's very important to me, um, and it it was very important to me to make sure that I covered this, so... Before we dive in, I want to let y'all know that next week, I am doing a free training for my newsletter on processing emotions. If you grew up in an environment where you may have been taught that certain emotions were not okay to express and that the ultimate quote-unquote goal of life was just to achieve quote-unquote happiness, then it may feel like you're carrying around a lot of weight or that you're just not experiencing life to its fullest. So in this training, we're going to walk through five specific emotions, anger, sadness, fear, joy, and peace. And we're going to take a look at some ways to practice moving through them in a healthy way so that you can experience some more of the magic that life has to offer. If you're interested in that, it's available to everyone on my Practical Spirituality newsletter. And if you're not already on that newsletter, you can join with the link in the description. I'm going to be putting out that training on six twenty seven, so just hop on that newsletter before then. So let's start at the beginning, as many, many people do. Now um, I read three different books in looking for different perspectives on this topic in relation to the Bible and sexuality, and by far my favorite was Transforming by Austin Hartke. And the reason for this was because this book was more focused on transgender issues. Um, In reading this book specifically, I think it was actually a lot more eye-opening into how we so narrowly interpret the beautiful piece of literature that is the Bible, when there is a lot more to be discovered. And e- even if we only specifically take passages to talk about trans rights, we actually can apply those principles further out into the bigger picture, to the LGBTQ community as a whole, to the disabled community, and honestly to anyone who is just striving to be their most authentic selves. So Let's talk about the beginning. Genesis. This is one of the most famous arguments and um, I think a lot of this reading inspired me to further on talk about patriarchal issues um, which I already wanted to do but most of the issues that are raised around homosexuality just generally root back to issues of gender roles and procreation so much of it is intertwined. But a lot of churches, not all, but a lot, have decided that women can be more like partners and dismantled a lot of stronger patriarchal structures that exist to some extent. We sort of see this reflected in our society. I think the most interesting thing we can learn when we pick up and read the Bible, really dig into it, is that we can just see how similar our society is. We've come a long way, somewhat due to teachings that spiritual leaders like Jesus provided over the years, but also scientific innovations as well. But there are so many instances where we are just falling into the same traps again and again because we are not learning, we are not listening, we are misinterpreting, we are deciding to prioritize dogma or rules over people and it's very interesting because you will see like the same kind of situations played out so you'll see it on like a small scale inside of the church and you'll see it like ripple out into um, the United States in particular if you're listening from another country I'm sorry I don't live there um, but you know the patriarchy is not only America's problem although it's A big problem here. Um, So on that note I'm going to pause and talk about science for a second. I understand how validating the science might be for some people. To be able to look at brain scans and prove that someone's mind um, is more similar to a woman's, even though they were born in a man's body. Or say that men are more likely to be gay if they aren't the firstborn. We want to be able to attribute these things to a scientific backing so that it can be validated as being born this way. Um, but I don't think we need that validation. We don't ask people for brain scans to prove that they're supposed to be a lawyer or an artist. We don't ask people if they have the right genetic code to be shy or more outgoing. Even a good astrologer will tell you that it's not um, a definitive future predicting or fortune telling, It's, it's a potential path of what might happen, it's an art. I think it's time that we stop trying to explain the reason why people identify as the way they are. We keep people on the defensive and trying to find sources for their very existence when they literally don't need it. They don't need to prove who they are or why they're here or why their experience is why it is. It's It's exhausting. Why? Why? Why do they have to constantly prove their reality? It just is. It's their reality. Stop. (laughs) Nobody needs to prove to you that the science says they're always going to be attracted to men or that they are experiencing gender dysphoria or that the science proves that their human rights are just as important. I understand that not everyone feels this way, um, that it it helps people make sense of what's happening in the world. Um, maybe it helps them make sense of other people or it helps you make sense of yourself. And if that's your reality, that's just as acceptable. Um, but I also think that it's, it's time for us to start moving away from, needing some sort of scientific backing for this. um, I don't think you should have to prove to anyone who you are when you know, or even when you're just exploring who you are, when you're trying to figure it out and you're trying to navigate it. We just need to be at a point in our society and in our culture that we just accept that people are navigating, figuring out who they are, And accept it when they tell us what their truth is. And if their truth changes, which for many, many people it does. Especially if they are navigating um, the transgender journey. Um, A lot of people, that is a very, very complicated journey for so many people. We just need to accept them at their point when they are. Like that's literally... There is so much, (laughs) there's so much scripture on that. It would be the longest podcast ever for me to cite all the sources on that. But guess what? I don't have to because you should know it. You just, you know it. You know it in your heart to be true. Because you want somebody to accept you as you. All right. We're going to move on to the beginning. So in the beginning, God creates earth. He makes light. He makes dark. He makes day. He makes night. He makes water. He makes sky. He makes man. Male and female, he made them. This is, that's the big line that people take away. They're all gung-ho on the, male and female he made them and then they'll take that later on and they spin it into this is why marriage is important and blah 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 there's like a whole spiel about it so let's i'm already not going to get into gender roles right now we're going to talk about some different stuff and save that for a later time but let's let's look at this okay this is one of the most poetic chapters of the bible in my opinion genesis is like beautiful it's beautiful it's like an incredibly incredibly beautiful literary device to showcase the um creation of the world and it doesn't even have to be god it can be source it can be the big bang like it's just a really gorgeous depiction Um, it doesn't take the time to list out Every single plant, every single animal or bird that God made, it says day and night, but it doesn't mention all the times in between. It talks about water and land, but it doesn't talk about the beach or the marshes or uh, the lakes or the rivers. Like it doesn't, it doesn't talk about all of this. So if these pieces are left out, if there's, if this is just a literary device being employed, this kind of opposite, this duality. Um, there's all this nuance that can be interpreted. There's all this nuance of between. Why not the same with human? We already know that there's other things that pop up with humans, right? We know that intersex people exist. We don't sit here and go, well, God made a mistake because... God doesn't make mistakes. We know that there, there is literally, there are literally people who are born who are not just male and female. So like to just say that this entire thing is not talking, is, is not all encompassing, like there's so much missing. It's a literary device. Later on in Genesis, there's the whole, you know, the fall. Um, I really like A Course in Miracles version where they are talking about it as the separation. And I think that this whole beginning just holds it up even further. If we are made in God's image, he's not so much concerned with our physical characteristics. The story of Adam and Eve covering their naked bodies is not so much about them literally clothing themselves. It's not like the beginning of fast fashion. Um, But it's about them trying to hide who they are, separating themselves from the creator and pulling further and further away. So when we ask people to change who they are, which they cannot do. Conversion therapy studies show that it is not effective. There is no praying the gay away because this is the most authentic version of this person. But when we ask people to change who they are, we ask them to separate themselves further from God rather than pull themselves closer. Or we tell them that they aren't welcome in spiritual communities as they are, and we shut them out, which is also, you know, never, ever the case. If you're going to cite the Bible from the beginning, you have to look at the larger context, the overarching themes. You cannot specifically say, well, male and female, that's it, cut and dry. What a boring way to look at things. So, (laughs) It would be easy to argue that I am also cherry-picking when I am talking, but that's fine. I'm not perfect, and like I stated at the beginning, I cannot encompass a complex topic in this short time. And most importantly, this topic continues to change as the world changes and needs adaptability over time. So 20 years from now, I hope we're having a different discussion. I hope... We are poring over these passages in a different way. The core issue at the debate from both sides is that we have found the same couple of passages, decided that that's what they mean, and are arguing the same side without listening. But spirituality is a constant learning process, and that means continually opening our hearts to hearing and learning and growing. I don't think I'll ever change my mind on whether or not LGBTQ plus are valid in the eyes of God. Spoiler alert, they are, That's, you know, but I do think that I will continually learn and see new things throughout my life. So let's talk about the laws. Some really good insight on this came from Scriptural Ethics and the Possibility of Same-Sex Relationships by Karen Keane. That's a mouthful. And she talks about how we get very caught up in what the laws are versus why they are even included. I think we see this a lot now um, when we are talking about intention versus actual effect. For example, you may intend to compliment someone by saying something but it wasn't actually an appropriate thing to say and it hurts their feelings. Um, you can get mad and continue to say the same thing over and over again and continue to have a negative effect or you can recognize that statement while well-intended, was not having the desired effect. So, how can you adjust your actions to fit your intention? So, the laws included in the Bible are designed to create a society that is good and just. So, what makes a relationship good and just. It's really difficult to pinpoint things that are always unjust when it comes to defining a relationship, um, because it takes a lot of nuance. There are things within relationships that are unjust. Um, so as a general rule, I, things that violate the ability to give consent are unjust. So since children can't give consent, it makes sense to have laws in place for that, which we do. Those are sexual deviances that cannot be good for everyone under any circumstances. Things outside of cis-heterosexual relationships are not like that, though. Are there abusive gay relationships? Yeah. Are there poly relationships that take advantage of each other? Yeah. Are there casual hookups that don't show care, not love, but care and respect for each other as people? Yeah. But are all of the opposite possible in the right circumstances? Also yes. Can people live incredibly diverse lives, both with their sexual identity, gender identity, gender expression, and sex lives, and also create mutual, respectable relationships, whether they are just one night stands or 60 plus years, the options are endless and the nuance is important. This is something else that I think a lot of books and conversations leave out is the idea that some people want multiple partners, some people don't want any partners, some people don't want relationships. The concept is not, does this pertain to my idea of a loving union? The concept is, are we treating each other with love and kindness? And all sorts of things can fall under that umbrella, not just monogamous marriage are the rights for people uh, are is gay marriage rights important absolutely is it important to say well gay gay relationships are only valid unless they're getting married no like that's that's not the conversation that we should be having that's not the conversation gay rights do pertain to marriage yes Does homosexuality, does the LGBTQ community become invalid if they are not monogamous? No. (laughs) Oh, Lord. A lot of people, (laughs) a lot of people assume that the Bible just like poofed into existence one day, totally done never been edited but it's not true um it's a combination it's collected from like scraps um written over the course of many years even just like one one book will be written over the course of many years it's not like oh i sat down and i just What had the spirit flow through me and I wrote an entire thing like it's edited by a lot of different people. Laws are rewritten and adjusted for time periods. It's been translated to assume that this book is infallible or never changing is to straight up just be a fool. That's it. (laughs) We have talked before about how one of the most important spiritual tools we have as humans is discernment. Blindly following this book or any leader whose only ability to answer your questions with the Bible says so is not utilizing your discernment. You have to be able to tune into your inner knowing. That's your spiritual guideline, your inner speaking with God, because that's a much deeper connection. That's a much deeper connection than a book. And when you prioritize a book over people, you're lost. Now, we're going to talk about Unix. And the reason we're going to talk about Unix is because there are some really beautiful passages and mentioning of Unix and I think if we reflect on the concept of a eunuch as someone who is on the outskirts of society because of their body, their gender nonconformity, their societal role, there's a lot of correlation here. So, a eunuch is a man who has been castrated, generally against their will, so they can serve in a harem and not impregnate anybody. Um, Although there are examples of people choosing to become eunuchs, specifically to become closer to a life of Christ, because celibacy is hard, but it's easier if you cut off your genitals. So let's start with Isaiah 56. Here's what it says. Let no foreigner who is bound to the Lord say, The Lord will surely exclude me from his people and let no eunuch complain, I am only a dry tree. For this is what the Lord says, To the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant, to them I will give my temple and its walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will endure forever. And foreigners who bind themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord and to be his servants, all who keep the Sabbath without desecrating it and who hold fast to my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations." The sovereign Lord declares, he who gathers the exiles of Israel, I will gather still others to them besides those already gathered. Okay, what does this passage say? Because, I mean, I don't see anything that says conform to what everyone else is doing or I'll smite you. It talks about joy and acceptance and calling for all the exiles, all the foreigners. This is constantly what Jesus talks about too, right? We we love to talk about how Jesus hung out with all the thieves and the poor people. But the vision here is not like a homogenized society. It's, it's all the exiles. And when we're talking about the exiles, that has to include the marginalized groups. That means the... Um, gender non-conforming, that means the disabled, that means the, uh, the minority races, that means so much more than people want it to mean. But it's all the exiles. It means all the minorities. Everyone who has previously been excluded through all these complicated hoops, when they are called, when they hear that voice and they come home, that's it. He doesn't even call them sons and daughters. He says, I will give them a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will endure forever. Jesus talks on this some in Matthew. So most people focus um, on Jesus talking about divorce and adultery. um, But I think there are some things that they miss out on here. Jesus acknowledges that not everyone is ready to accept the teaching, um, which is important because that's still the world we're living in, right? People are still, <laughs> shouldn't they be ready? No, but yeah. So he says some eunuchs or you know gender non-conforming people are born this way. Some are made that way by other people, like the people who have been enslaved and mutilated. And some are eunuchs by choice. So those who decide to live lives of celibacy. Although, like I mentioned earlier, there are people who took this very literally and castrated themselves. Um, But because of the patriarchy, we now take this as an allegory, which personally, I think it's fine as an allegory. I think that's cool. Um, But it is a little funny to me um, that they had to say, uh, no? you know, you don't need to do anything drastic like that. Like you know, you don't need to be less manly. You don't, you don't need to be less rich. Um, you can, you can still be a Christian. Don't worry about it. Because um, it just really shows how, over time, they just watered down the message, in order to convert more people. Like okay. Um, another thing, throughout. Jesus' entire story, he does some pretty miraculous healing, right? Like, most people know that. He does some healing on leprosy, some blind people. He brings people back from the dead. I mean, like, there's some healing going on. But he doesn't go and cure a eunuch or change someone's sexuality he actually kind of lifts the eunuch up as someone to maybe be emulated you know so much so that people were like ah oh, if we want to really follow in Jesus's step we should become eunuchs ourselves and they castrated themselves so like if Jesus doesn't find this something to be important to fix? Why are we so worried about it? Why are we trying to pray the gay away when Jesus didn't do that for people when he was walking around? Just just curious. Let's move on to Acts. This is Acts 8. Philip has an angel tell him to go down a deserted road so he does and there he finds an Ethiopian eunuch so got the outsider the foreigner all the bits layered on he has traveled all the way to Jerusalem to worship um, but most likely because of the laws again um, he wasn't allowed so Philip sees him reading some scripture, and he asks him if he understands it. And he says, how how can I, unless someone guides me? So they read it together. And the eunuch asks, who is this passage talking about? And Philip explains to him who Jesus is. And... The eunuch's like super stoked because, you know, he's been reading this on his own. And he's like, I don't get it. I've never heard of Jesus. I don't know who these people are talking about. This is really confusing for me. So he's like pumped up that finally somebody is like, hey, I'll help you. Yeah, I'm here. Okay, let's talk about it. They come across some water. And the differences between trying to go to the temple to worship And the simplicity of being at the water are incredibly, incredibly obvious. The eunuch says, look, water. What can stand in my way from being baptized? And so Philip baptizes him. No questions asked. And this is the difference. We, as people, don't get to make decisions about Whether someone deserves to experience their connection to God or how they experience or what their reality is like, we are blessed enough to get to observe it, to support them in it, guide them if they ask, and then send them on their way. That's where I'm going to leave it today, y'all. Um, let's continue this convo over on Instagram. My handle over there is at Queen of Grit. And remember, if you're not already on my newsletter, I've got that mini training next week. You can sign up for it with the link in the description. If you're enjoying this podcast, please like, subscribe, rate, all those podcast things. Share it with your friends. Share it with your enemies. Turn them into better people. And remember, until next time, stay mystical, note the magical, and embrace the miracles. Bye!